Hi, everyone. Welcome to Inside Mountain Outlaw. I'm managing editor Bella Butler. If you haven't seen it yet, our winter 2024 issue is out, and I can't stress enough how much I think you should pick up a copy. This is our Montana issue, and our talented team of contributors brought us stories and other creative works from all corners of this incredible state, literally all corners of the state, to paint a riveting yet candid portrait of Montana. This interview we're sharing with you today is a prime demonstration of the authentic way we tried to capture the state's character. Each issue, the magazine hosts a gallery, and for our Montana issue, we assigned a Montana-based photojournalist, Hazel Kramer, to document the individual experiences of unhoused people in three different Montana cities. Homelessness is an increasingly prevalent issue nationally, and Montana is tracking with that trend. In our editor's introduction to this gallery, we wrote about how national publications are beginning to cover the reality that many Montanans have witnessed, and some have experienced that Montana has the 18th highest rate of homelessness among all 50 states, that in 2022, Montana saw the second largest increase in the number of individuals experiencing chronic patterns of homelessness at 313%, and that our communities are grappling with, and sometimes struggling with, bringing to bear solutions that address the needs and concerns of community members from all walks of life. It's an incredibly complex and intense issue, and frankly, a pretty bold one to tackle in 20 magazine pages. But this gallery seeks to use the intimate medium of photography to draw a sense of human connection to the topic, to dissolve headlines and stigmas and instead invite readers into a human experience. I interviewed the photographer, Hazel Kramer, in late November after the gallery was complete and she had some time to reflect on the storytelling process and the story itself. Kramer is a photojournalist and documentary filmmaker based in Bozeman, Montana. Originally from Seattle, she attended the University of Montana School of Journalism and has since won a number of awards for her eye-opening work. Kramer's portfolio includes visual coverage of the 2020 Montana gubernatorial campaign, reporting on the Northern Cheyenne Reservation's access to COVID-19 funding and resources, and several photo credits in Mountain Outlaw, including our summer 2023 gallery, Profiling Montana Communities. She's currently the director of Siloed, a federally funded documentary about rural health care access in Montana. Please enjoy this interview and be sure to check out the Outbound Gallery in a hard copy of our Montana issue or online at mtoutlaw.com. Hi, Hazel. Hi, Bella. How are you? I am good. I'm good. Yeah. It's just another uh, day in the work life at home. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat about the gallery and your work on it. I know you've already put in a tremendous amount of work and time um, to bring it to our readers. So we really appreciate you spending some more of your time to chat about it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) Yeah. So back up a little bit, Um, this issue's Outbound Gallery, Outbound Gallery is sort of our front of the book section for one photo story. Um, And it's always really beautiful and I think very profound. Um, And so with this issue, our Montana issue, um, we we wanted to do something that felt really 
raw and authentic and true to Montana, um, sort of in the spirit of our outbound gallery. And so we, early on, this was one of the first assignments that we gave. Um, and it's uh, we wanted to do a gallery about homelessness in Montana. And it's an issue that has been simmering for a long time. Um, and especially this year, it's sort of reaching a boiling point um, throughout the state. And so it felt really appropriate to use this space to have that conversation and provide a window window into that world. Um, and so for some more of that context, you know, Montana um, has a growing homeless population. That's a, a nationwide trend, but it's definitely standing out even among those national statistics. We have, you know, a statistic in this piece that tells us that chronic patterns of homelessness is increased in Montana um, at 313%. And that's a statistic from 2022. Um, and that's the second highest rate in the country. Montana has the 18th highest rate of all states um, for homelessness. And through those numbers, we're seeing that manifest in different ways throughout the state. Um, in Missoula earlier this year, the mayor initiated um, a sheltering and homelessness state of emergency, which was unprecedented for the city. And there have been several sweeps in Missoula as well um, that have displaced people and cost a lot of money in Bozeman. It's definitely a growing topic as well. We have a lot of urban camps that have become much more visible to folks. And so it's been, you know, spurred heated debates from city commission meetings. Um, we have a, you know, active lawsuit related to some of those policies. And we continue to have conversations like that in other areas throughout the state. So that's sort of the backdrop. Um, but I'd love for you to introduce, you know, within this really broad topic, what is this gallery about? Yeah. Um, so when I guess Mountain Outlaw had originally reached out to me to tell the piece, um, I I knew that it was about our housing crisis and kind of like how people that are experiencing homelessness have been impacted over the last couple of years, especially after COVID. Um, but I didn't really know how to approach that. And the reason for that is because when you're tasked with a story and it's a visual story, you have to have um, subjects that are open to you and willing to, you know, let you take photos or videos of them um, and also tell their story. And in this situation, I personally am pretty removed from, um, you know, that demographic of people, like people that are experiencing homelessness. And, and so I guess I kind of like already was kind of given this ethical dilemma of how do you tell a story that is about a demographic of people that you don't know that much about, you're not connected to, um, and are, um, communities that are experiencing, um, a lot of disparity, uh, and, I have been taught, especially through my schooling at the University of Montana Journalism School, to um, not focus on disparity as a main point of the story. Tell me, so then from, you know, from that conversation and that 
discussion of what does this look like and how do I tell this story, you know, given all those considerations, what ended up being the format of the gallery and what did you focus on? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of from all of that, I started my pre-reporting process, kind of digging and educating myself, talking to people, um, in a couple different areas of the state, um, trying to understand how they were helping their, um, you know, populations of people experiencing homelessness. Um, and I honestly didn't really know what to do. <laughs> so I started, I, on it, I started, um, by taking photos, uh, by the warming center, which I live in Bozeman, Montana, and I had never been to the warming center before. Um, and so I, I walked outside, I chatted with some people and I, you know, asked them if I could take their portrait. And these are people that, you know, are living in their car or, um, or don't have any shelter at all. And I walked away from that experience and it felt really extractive. And it also didn't feel totally consensual considering that some of these people you can tell have, um, you know, pretty tough like mental health issues. Um, it just didn't feel like informed consent, but yeah. So I walked away from that experience, uh, not feeling good about my work, not feeling good about the position I was in. Um, and I knew I had to approach the story in a different way. So after some brainstorming, um, actually with you, Bella, <laughs> uh, we kind of came to the conclusion that it would be best for me to focus on one person um, in each city that we were going to be focusing on for the Outbound Gallery to kind of uh, tell a broader story about this experience of being homeless. Um, and so... From there, I started looking for the right people. So I reached out to shelters <clears throat> and um, and the format of the story kind of ended up being uh, connecting with one person in each place who is experiencing a different level of homelessness. And so something that you're getting at too is something that we have to consider with every story that we tell, which is angle. Um, and it felt, you know, especially um, important with this one because it's such a broad issue. Um, and, you know, we we did our best to contextualize and lay the groundwork for, you know, what that bigger issue looks like and is. But we thought, you know, you and I discussed if we try to do everything, then we won't be accomplishing anything at all. So if we really want to like truly tell a story, we can't try and tell the whole story because it's it's too much and it's beyond what this venue and this assignment was capable of doing. And so that process of, you know, here's the topic, but what is the story was something that I know you and I spent a lot of time talking about. Um, and I think you know, the decision to land on telling three individual stories was really rooted in what I think you do really well, which is telling telling human stories and highlighting human experiences and creating an avenue of connection. So we had discussed, you know, profiling folks who are involved in the issue in a different way, people who work in support capacities, people who are working at a policy level, um, 
you know, it's, it is a controversial issue in some ways. And so looked at, you know, telling stories from different sides and why we really had landed on this issue or this format was to highlight on that idea of connection and in a story or in a topic that's often presented as somewhat of a binary, especially when we're talking about the way that it shows up in policy or debate. Um, how can we talk about it in a very human way that removes that line a little bit um, and invites people into an experience? And so, yeah, I think um, you said it really well. And yeah, it's not it's not an easy job to do. And it's it takes a while to arrive at that. But um, yeah, that's well, really and- you bring up a good point too. I think it's so easy to forget that this is a this is a human humanitarian crisis issue. Um, and it's so easy to forget about the people that are actually experiencing that crisis. Um, especially when you're in a position of privilege like me, um, or like any of us that have roofs over our heads. Um and and can and can pay for rent um and i i think i think that this story is is so important because of that um i think if you look at the photos you can understand a little bit more about why someone would end up in a position like that and it's not it's not always like you know the stereotypes that most people would come up with in in their own um bias i guess um and that was something that i learned a lot about too um telling this story is that you know a lot of people have these like preconceived notions of how someone would end up on on the street or um you know unsheltered and those stereotypes are pretty far removed from reality another point that i'll bring up too um is you know we did talk to a lot of people that are serving those communities and I want to say now while I have the opportunity, thank you to all the people that gave me all of the information um, and took so much time to meet with me and um, and introduce me to, you know, the, the issues that each community is facing. Um, so really, thank you so much. And thank you for connecting me with the people that ended up being in the magazine. Um, if we had another, like, I don't know, 50 pages, then I would have loved to include all of you. Um, And uh, unfortunately, that's just not uh, what was possible. So um, yeah, that's so important to understand with photo stories is that the storytelling um, and the, you know, you talked about pre-reporting goes so far beyond what's captured in each frame that to even arrive at these sources and to understand the complexity of their stories. You spoke with specialists, you spoke with, you know, people working in support roles, people working for nonprofits, um, people in, you know, different capacities with the cities and states to fully understand and be able to deliver a story that is aware of some of that complexity. So that's something that probably a lot of people might not see just by flipping through the pages. Totally. And you mentioned, you know, that idea of deconstructing stereotypes too, um, which I think is especially delivered in a visual format. Um, and I think, you know, it also speaks to going back to the structure. You mentioned we have three sources. 
Um, they're from three different cities in Montana. So we have um, someone that lives in Missoula, someone that lives in Billings, and someone that lives in Bozeman. And each of these people are experiencing homelessness in a really different way. So they all have different experiences and they all are living in maybe a different version of that experience now. So we have people who are living in, um, you know, shelters, people who are living in temporary housing that's granted through nonprofits and, um, people who are living, you know, outside. And so I think that was also really important to, again, you know, deconstruct the stereotype of what, what does it look like to be homeless in Montana that, it it looks it can look like a lot of different things. It doesn't always look like maybe that immediate image that comes to our mind. Um, and certainly it's not even all covered in the, you know, 19 or so pages that we have for this gallery. But that was an important part of, you know, choosing folks from different backgrounds with different experiences and different present experiences living in different cities too. Cause, you know, Montana is sort of a blanket in terms of this topic. And it, you know, there's things that happen at that level that are worth discussing, but each of these cities are also dealing with this in such a different way. So um, yeah, I think that was another important way to approach the that concept of deconstructing stereotypes. Totally. Well, and I'll add to that also how each of those people are either contributing to their community um, or their workplace. And that was the, that, that is so important to me too. One of the, one of the subjects of the piece, Heather, she lost her ID and isn't able to receive, um, employment because the process of getting an ID, um, she said it's quote, a red tape nightmare, but she contributes to her community in other ways. People, I, I witnessed it too, like being on the ground with her, you know, people like, oh, like, you know, thanks mama bear. Like, you know, she's like the matriarch. Like somebody even said that to me. She's like, oh yeah, that's Heather. She's the matriarch of, you know, of our community. Um, and she actually, you know, went up in front of, um, I think it was a Missoula city council meeting to advocate for other people that are unhoused and unsheltered um, and in a similar situation to her. So um, that was something that really struck a chord with me is that, you know, these are, these are people and all of us have this very like basic need of feeling a sense of belonging and contributing to our community. And um, I think that was a really beautiful example of what that can look like. Um, and what it does look like yeah. if you're in a situation like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's this photo that sticks in my mind without giving too much away <laughs> to everyone. So, so they can view the gallery. Um, but with Heather, where she, you have a, you know, a beautiful shot of her face and she's holding a printed out news story that includes a photo of her advocating at that meeting. And there's so much pride in that photo. And I think, yeah, that really illuminates what you're talking about, you know, that we all have that, that want to contribute in our own ways and we have different limitations and what that looks like. But I think, yeah, that's definitely shown in the work too. And so, you know, we're talking about these portraits and these visual stories of each of these people. They're really intimate. 
And, you know, you mentioned that was really generous of the, our sources to share that with you and to share that with our readers and to, you know, offer um, a really personal moment in their life and what that looks like, especially a really challenging time in their life and share that with people and share that with you. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, you know, what is that process for you on your end on the other side of the camera? And, you know, you talked about finding those sources, but what does it look like to develop a relationship with them, trust, and, you know, what, how important are those relationships? They're crucial. You need to develop those relationships to be able to, um, to have someone trust you in that way and to let them in or let me into their life. I think that the, the way that I kind of, I guess, navigate those situations and it's really tricky too, right? Because there has to be like some boundaries considering that, you know, I am a journalist and there, there's like a special relationship that needs to be formed between uh, journalists and their subject. And that can it, it should be a trusting, intimate relationship, but it also, there needs to be some like barriers of separation. And especially when the people that you're uh, photographing or talking to, when those people are uh, going through hardship, it's, it's, it becomes harder to like keep those barriers in place. But yeah, the relationship is crucial. And so kind of how I go about doing those things is, at least in this case, I reached out to um, shelters or different different programs in each place that kind of help people uh, receive housing or get get uh, employment and um, are kind of like reintroducing people that maybe weren't like totally active in society, kind of like back into back into society. I reached out to those programs and to those shelters and they connected me with those people. And I interviewed a couple different uh, people um, at each shelter, but then also um, for instance, with uh, the Pavarello in Missoula meeting Heather, we actually went out into the ground and um, they have this team. It's called the hot team, which is the homeless outreach team. And they're actually on the ground interacting with a bunch of different people every day. And they specifically said, you should talk to this person because she would want to be photographed and she wants to, you know, talk to you. I guess from there, I approach, I, I approached her, but just like I approached everyone else being very open with my intent, you know, I'm not there to become your best friend. Um, I'm, but I am here to tell your story and this is a platform that I want to give to you so that you are able to talk about your experience, um, and raise awareness, um, for those of us that don't have the same experience that you have, um, and coming in with a really clear intent, but also a lot of empathy, um, and, you know, a lot of respect. I think that those are things um, that, you know, can, can help build a, a trusting, uh, relationship that really is imperative to telling a story like this. Yeah. I think that's, that's really well said. It can be such a fine line. And I think what you just said there, respect is the, the key to maintaining that relationship, you know, with both regards. Um, yeah, it's really important. 
Yeah. Was there, you know, was there anything that surprised you in this work? There were a lot of things that surprised me, but I think the most surprising was how positive everyone seemed to be. There was a lot of like generosity with time and um, with how intimate, like the the intimate details that all three people, um, you know, shared um, with me was I was really surprised and honored, honestly, <laughs> really honored um, that they shared those things with me. But yeah, also just like the general sense of like positivity, you know, that things were looking up for all of them. Um, they like, and they all said that in their own way um, and said things, you know, like there, there was a lot of like anger at their own situations um and like frustration but there i would say the general feeling was uh that things were getting better for all of them and that they were really excited for whatever came next for them and that was really cool to see i think like i i figured that everyone i would talk to would be really strong but i think i was I was really surprised at how tenacious everyone was and how kind and honestly like proud to, to have like gotten themselves out of a a deeper hole in their past and gotten to this place. It's a good takeaway maybe for everyone. We have a lot um, that we all deal with, you know, in our personal lives and in our collective communal lives on a daily basis and to be able to retain some of that that tenacity and positivity good takeaway yeah and i think honestly like it was just this whole telling this whole story um even for me was smashing like bias after bias that i had and those are biases that i didn't even know i had right um and so a lot of those things like honestly i was just surprised at how how many like preconceived notions I had about people experiencing homelessness. Yeah. So I think that that honestly was the most surprising thing about telling the piece. Did you find that any of that contributed to an evolution in the way that you approached the story or your process in telling the story? Yeah, maybe it did. I mean, I I feel like I, I try to approach every story with a completely open mind. I never come into a story and I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly the story I'm trying to tell. This is the narrative. I'm going to follow that because especially with visual journalism, that's not really how that works. Um, you know? And so I always try to go into everything with a really open mind, um, and try to, you know, like talk to people and understand what, what the story is that everyone else is telling me. Um, and I think that my bias, I don't, I, I don't think it really played a role in how I approached the story. Like after biases were being smashed, I was like, oh, I need to change this. It was more, um, just educational for me. And I think just in my own, like personal, like experience telling the story, because I was always approaching everyone with a lot of like respect, um, and um i guess uh, like attention right yeah that's that's the best we can hope for with reporting is that it's educational (laughs) totally and so 
you know, so much of your work is certainly, you know, what we've talked about so far. So that pre-reporting process and sharpening the angle to the story and developing those relationships and then the actual shoots. But so much of it is also, you know, in a less glamorous scene, sitting in front of the computer, editing photos, making selections, working with the designer on layout. Um, So maybe you can offer folks a little bit of a window into what that part of photojournalism looks like and what it looked like for this story. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Where do do I begin with that? Um, So after I'm on the ground and taking photos for any story, um, the editing process takes a long time because with a photo narrative story, um, you not only have to have shot variety, good composition, good light, um, every photo has to be moving the narrative forward. You have to be learning something about your subject or about the place or about the issue. Um, Nothing can be redundant, especially in a print issue, you have limited space. So um, every photo that you see when you're flipping through the gallery was um, chosen with a lot of deliberation (laughs) between me, um, my editors, so Bella, Definitely. Uh, Robin actually did serve as an editor in a couple of cases. She's our designer for the magazine um, and and myself and a, just a lot of thought um, into, you know, e- each photo to kind of move the story along. Yeah, but, I would definitely yeah. emphasize that line right there. A lot of thought into each photo. And I think, you know, if I could offer some sort of portal where people could look at a photo and see this like three-dimensional version of everything that went into them seeing that particular photo on the page. I think it would be fascinating. Like we, you know, we would debate over two wide portrait shots and there's a tiny little difference in the way that the person's posture is or someone else walking way in the background of the frame or whatever small detail it might be. And we could sit there for, you know, 20 plus minutes saying which one. And here's why this is going to move along, you know, the narrative, like you're talking about more than the other one, or this is why this is more representative of this moment that I was shooting, Um, which is so funny when we're removed and we see it all on a page in a final version, but there is so much that goes into, you know, whittling down. How many photos would you say you had for this project or even just per subject? Well, Some of them I was afforded a lot more time with. So Kendra, who uh, lives here in Bozeman, you know, we share the same community. And so I actually, I would say I had maybe 2000 photos with Kendra, (laughs) but like, because they were redundant or they weren't serving, they were like serving the same purpose. I had to go back and keep shooting with her. Mm-hmm. Um, other subjects like Dawn, Heather, I, you know, it's a tight budget, so I, I didn't get to spend as much time with them. Um, but still I spent an entire day with both people. And so, you know, each of, each of them, I probably had close to 800, 900 photos per, uh, per subject there. Right. Um, but yeah, you're goes t- down to six pages and you know maybe maybe 20 photos a person actually there might be less than that so your process of funneling that to tell the story is 
you know, arguably just as important or just as much part of the craft as taking the images. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you because I think that's the other distinction too, between like photojournalism and then like, you know, photo art is Mm -hmm. like, you are capturing photos to tell a story. They're happening in real time. You are, um, you're interacting with moment and light and composition mm-hmm. um, and it has to serve this purpose of moving a narrative forward. Um, and so, yeah, you're totally right. Like the difference between seeing like a 2d photo and like just one photo and being like, Oh, nice. Versus like how much time and deliberation <laughs> it took for all of us to like choose the right photos. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a process. <laughs> yeah. And so the end result, you know, after all of that, that process that we've covered, um, we, you know, this is our, our biggest magazine that we've ever published. It's almost 200 pages. It's a huge book. And the gallery is, you know, also pretty substantial in size, especially compared to um, several of the other galleries that we've done before. So we have, I think it's 18 pages covering um, these stories and then an introduction page as well. Um, how do you, how do you feel about the final product? Well, first I'm honored that I <laughs> I was chosen for this story. Um, and I am, you know, also awarded so much space that I'd feel like never happens, um, in journalism, especially print journalism. Now that we're in kind of a digital media age, Um, but I feel, I feel really good about the final product. Um, I hope that viewers and readers can learn something just like I learned something from telling this story. Um, but take away a new perspective, um, and try to approach people in their community with kindness and support and empathy, because that's really, that's what I did this for, you know, um, and, I think that the people um, that lent me so much of their time and um, let me access like these very like personal, intimate parts of their lives, I think that's what they would want um, from the story too. Is to make you know make a little bit of change and try to show people that maybe have bias. Or maybe don't have bias, but have never even given a thought to the people in their community that um, are struggling and don't don't have, or maybe aren't struggling, but they they don't have a roof over their heads. Um, you know, to get to give those people in that community some thought. Mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way. Yeah. And when we started this magazine, we knew that this was going to be this was something that we wanted to discuss in the Montana issue. Um, but it, we didn't know exactly what it would look like. And so we have a lot of really stunning photography in the magazine and we're super fortunate to have a lot of our written pieces complemented by really great visuals, but the gallery is really coveted space in that it's our one primarily visual piece. It's, it's a photo journalism piece. And so part of, you know, it was very um, intentional to choose the gallery as the medium for 
this particular story. Um, and I think, you know, you are better than anyone <laughs> and being able to articulate, you do this for work and you work in a visual medium. So what is different about telling this story or about telling other stories in a visual medium as compared to if we had assigned it as an, a written article? Because I, I think it makes, I think it makes human experience more tangible, right? These people, um, if it was a written piece, you might not fully understand their situation. You, you know, that saying, it's so cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. A picture is worth a thousand words, right? Um, so then in this case, if there's, <laughs> I don't know, 20-ish photos, um, then that's 20,000 words. I mean, that's a big piece. Um, but I also think there's almost like, it's like you're removing this barrier between yourself and these people that you would probably never get to um, have such an intimate moment with. Um, and so I think that's why this story in particular is really, it's an important visual story is because um, it does kind of break down that barrier in a different way than um, a written piece and um, and quotes might. Yeah. Absolutely. I go back to like our conversation about intention and angle with the story. Like, why are we, why are we telling this story in what part of, what part of this topic, what story within this topic are we telling? And, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, the beginning of the process with this piece, we talked so much about using it as a space to connect and not blow it up with too much of this other information and this dis this sort of conceptual discussion that happens in this space a lot um, and not pushing any particular agenda other than an opportunity to connect with people. And there is something about strong photo storytelling that you can look at an image of another person that you've never met and you may never see them um, and you don't even have to read the caption. And there's something so innately human that we can all feel sort of bonded to. Um, you know, we have a, a story in here about a mother, Kendra's a mother of, you know, a handful of great kids five. and five kids. Um, and, you know, I know that a lot of people can connect with that. Um, Don also, you know, a father and mentions his child in the story and, you know, people who are partners or advocates in their community, or, you know, there's a really great little detail of Heather caring for some animals. And so, you know, whether it's compassion or a particular role in a relationship or connection to a community or a sense of place or something, there's something in photographs that maybe a little piece of everyone can feel drawn to um, and see it for less of this topical issue, which is, you know, certainly part of it, but more of a, a human conversation. So I definitely love that about this medium for this piece. Yeah, no, me too. And beautifully said, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and we've, we've said it, you know, so many times already in this conversation, but this is such a large topic and it is presenting in such different ways in different communities in Montana and then, you know, at the state level as well. But what are some ways that 
folks who are interested in learning more about this and, you know, about all of the things draped around this story, um, you know, what are your recommendations for people looking for more education on this? Yeah. Um, the first thing I would suggest, depending on where you live, um, you should definitely, you know, if you, if you want to learn more, talk to your local shelter or warming center. Um, they will have a lot of information for you on how they are helping the community or what your what the, um, I guess what people experiencing homelessness, what their needs are. Um, if you want to learn about, uh, kind of the, what makes this such a hot topic right now, lean into your local government. Um, a lot of the conversation is happening, uh, in like city council meetings, lean into your local government, be in the know, um, watch some of those, what might be seemingly boring, um, you know, zoom meetings or, um, you know, go, go to the, go to them. If you would prefer that, um, subscribe to your local newspaper, if you don't want to. (laughs) Yes. Support, support your local newspaper, do that for sure. Um, and also, you know, reach out to, um, maybe other organizations like central house strategies to see how you can help your community. Um, and how to, you know, smash some of the biases that you might be carrying about people experiencing homelessness as well. Yeah, certainly. Well, anything else that, you know, feels important to to talk about with this story and that you want to, you know, any tidbits to send readers off with before they go pick up a brand new copy of Mountain Outlaw and look at your gallery? Um, well, I would definitely say it's our gallery. It's not my gallery. Um, and, and what I also want to say our, I also am talking about the people in the photos and the, in the photographs, like that is really whose gallery it belongs to. Um, but I think two things, one, I also want to say like a very explicit thank you to, uh, Dawn, Heather, uh, and Kendra, for giving me so much of your time and letting me into your world and your space. And um, honestly, like sacrificing a lot of time uh, to do this. I am so beyond grateful and grateful for your trust. And then for the readers, if you have questions or thoughts, um, please reach out, um, email, us let us know what you think i would love to be a part of that conversation you know if you have any questions for me about the reporting or about you know kind of the i think the ethical questions that we had to answer telling this story um but otherwise i hope that you can learn something new about yourself and about your community from looking at our outbound gallery (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Hazel. We really appreciate your time today and are, of course, incredibly grateful for your work and the opportunity for our readers to grab a copy and check out the Outbound Gallery and the Montana issue. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, opening this conversation and um, for, yeah, hiring me for the piece. (laughs) Happy reading. (laughs) Yeah. Happy reading. (laughs) 
You can view Kramer's gallery, Houseless in Montana, online at mtoutlaw.com or in a hard copy of the winter 2024 issue. Mountain Outlaw is owned and published by Outlaw Partners in Big Sky, Montana. Our publisher is Eric Ladd. Mira Brody is the VP of Media, Bella Butler is the Managing Editor, and Robin Egloth is the Art Director. Our original theme music is by Harlow Penderson. Thanks for stepping inside Mountain Outlaw. See you soon.